Hi, we're here today with Rachel Shaming, who is here to talk to us about a really important topic. Rachel, how are you today? Oh, I am terrific, Amy. Good to have you here. And um, we consider you one of our, our most precious gems at the Integrship Group. And uh, so we're, we're so pleased you can be here with us today to, to talk to us about um, our topic, which today we're going to talk about what we call and refer to as cringe moments. Before we get into that, Rachel, can you tell us a little bit about your professional background I certainly can't. Thanks so much, Amy. And as you know, we're we're all so passionate about this topic of cringe moments. My professional background: I, I graduated from the University of Florida, and um, I moved in. My my degree is in organizational development and human resources. My first job was at NASA, then the Texas Medical Center. New York City law firms, and high-tech uh, industries. The common denominator across all of that professional background is working with extremely bright people. So we're going to talk in a little while about um, why is that important, <laughs> extremely bright people. Yeah, and I, I, I have to mention here that, uh, Rachel, that you've got uh, – um, a very um, special skill set in in that you have done extensive work with what we would call abrasive personalities, right? Um, most of mm-hmm. them in mid level onto senior leadership in organizations, and uh, so you're kind of what I would call our resident abrasive whisperer. And uh, so <laughs> that's, a, that's a what nice I like to call to you and refer to you as, um, just in case you didn't know. But um, here at, you know, uh, the Integrship Group, we run across this quite a bit, right? And and situations mm-hmm. that occur in the workplace that uh, where, you know, people have a conflict a variety of things, right? It can be somebody yes. who's really a bad actor, right, or an abrasive, down to yes. somebody, just a misunderstanding or a difference in styles or standards or whatever it is. But this is mm-hmm. your area of specialty, and you are actually the one that coined the phrase cringe moment, um, which we actually use quite a bit and we'll be using quite a bit as a foundational element in our upcoming book that comes out early in 2016. So can you talk a little bit about what a cringe moment is? A cringe moment is when anything that happens, and generally it's unexpected, where you are suddenly in a situation that is... Um, but perhaps creating some anxiety, it's unexpected, perhaps your emotions are heating up, usually it's anger, perhaps it, it is uh, more like frustration, disappointment, there's an element of high risk, it could be a peer that you're having this situation with, uh, often it is a boss, and we don't know what to do. We're faced with that awful feeling of I need to do something. I need to say something, but I'm afraid. I hear that word so much, the word fear, scared, um, terrified, dread, all of those words center around being uh, very 
fearful. So um, that's the the common thing. And usually we do we do one of several things. We either back away and do nothing, just feel really terrible about whatever, or we come on six guns blazing and get really, really aggressive. Neither works very well. That's why I'm so excited about our work, because we're actually helping people get some concrete tools so these cringe moments are not so awfully dreaded. And so people learn the language, the the um, the way to have a, a mutually respectful it usually amounts to a conversation. Does that help, Amy, the, what the cringe moment is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because what you just said about people either back right off, right, you know, and, yes. and either sit and stew or live in some sort or suffer in misery, right, or they, they right. go in guns a-blazing. Can we talk yeah. a minute about when and why people actually back off of those cringe moments? Uh, well, they don't. Um, I think the reason they back off is we human beings like comfort and we like certainty. But cringe moments are neither. The, the, we feel very uncertain. We feel anything but comfort. So if I have a propensity to withdraw, it might look like I'm just going along. I won't say anything. I don't want to rock the boat. I'm, or I might start to be real sarcastic, and I send uh, pot shots, or perhaps I stonewall someone, change the subject when things get really uncomfortable. But the primary reason we don't want to step into it is simply not having the skills. And we mm-hmm. can learn the skills. That's why I'm so excited about our work at Integrship. It is all about arming people with tools, diagnostic tools, uh, self-mastery tools, so that I can begin to feel really competent. Not comfortable, but competent. Yeah, not comfortable. So that's, that leads me to the next question is, so if, if people are armed with skills and tools to, to navigate these, these cringe moments, um, do they eventually find themselves comfortable with it? I don't think you you feel, you get to being comfortable, but you feel confident, um, not in an arrogant, cocky sense, but confident that, you know, I can handle this. I have the language to begin the conversation. I am willing to state what I see, what I need, and that leads to minimizing some of the discomfort. Does it always go away completely? I don't think so. And one of the um, the skill, one of the tools I'm very proud of that we've been working on at Integrship is helping people find language that is non-defensive. Defensive language is usually what really escalates things uh, out of hand. And the fear that I'm going to say the wrong thing, therefore, I don't know how you might react on your side. So um, so I withdraw, and I get really quiet. Yeah. Can or I, the can opposite. I you, oh, can I put you on the spot for a moment and ask you, what are some of those defensive, you know, those 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 terms we use or phrases we use that really trigger defensiveness in others? 
Uh, yes, I might um, I might blame you. I might uh, call you names. I might make huge assumptions about your intentions. I may make up a whole big story without really pausing to really talk with you and really clarify. So what is it we're talking about here? I might even have the desire to punish you or criticize you, perhaps even publicly. So, and none of that is going to work, as as we know. It's going to result in an even worse situation where there are terribly wounded feelings, perhaps fractured relationships. Another thing that happens, Amy, when if I have a cringe moment in the workplace and I don't have the skill or competencies to work it through, I may take this home. And now I am carrying on at home with my loved ones, and they um, are... Um, rather powerless to help me work it through. So the beauty of being able to arm people with the tools to find the confidence, find the words, face the conversation, or it maybe it won't be a conversation, but the tool to analyze exactly where am I? What's the level of risk? For instance, if um, you or I were having a cringe moment with a boss we might feel a much higher risk than if I'm speaking to a peer or a direct report because of the fear might be I want to be careful. I don't want to lose my job here. So um, I think that as we've talked at Integrship, working through how I begin to really take a look at what's going on here. And then another tool is being able with uh, often it's with a uh, skill coach to script what do i once i analyze this i want to script out how i'm going to talk about this with the other person and i know i'm speaking to the choir here you and i get really excited about this <laughs> that people just don't have these tools they're yeah, just yeah. not available so we all do the best we can and with poor to dreadful results. Yeah. Yeah, that you know, it's it's interesting because it seems like cringe moments go on all the time in the workplace, right? I've been coaching yeah. leaders yeah. for over 20 years, right? This is mostly what we talk mm-hmm. about. You on the other hand, have you know, um many years working at the the macro level in organizations. How much of this do you think contributes to things like um, engagement breakdowns or trust in in the workplace? Uh, Amy, um, I'm so glad you asked that. I've done a lot of thinking about this. Um, I would say it's in the upper 90%. It is very, very high. Uh, What happens in an organization is the propensity to look at a person, if that person would just change, we would not have um, this uh, this going on in our company. And when you can analyze what's really going on, often it is at the organizational level. There's inconsistencies in applying policies, for instance, around a code of conduct. There, If you're higher up in the organization or perhaps you're a big producer, a rainmaker of some kind, the go-to person, we'll just uh, we'll dance around that, and we won't really 
but we won't step into holding you accountable with the uh, the conduct side. So lots of organizations focus on what are you producing, what's the dollar amount, what product have you created, and they uh, they lose sight of, of two sides of the performance. One side is the technical skills, the other side is the conduct. And the work we are doing at Integraship has to do with the conduct side and arming people that just don't have the skills. But it's also, which we've, we have talked about, so I don't have the skills, and I feel really awful about this. We are now creating the processes and the tools to help people get, um, get much better at this. I think uh, most managers ha- have terrible skills in giving candid feedback to uh, their direct reports. These folks that I have worked with with the extremely high IQs, often they have a fairly low EQ, the emotional intelligence. Their IQ is high, but their insight into how their words and actions impact others is um, uh, kind of thin. So what I started to notice, too, is, is probably four or five years ago about myself. When I look back over my professional history, I thought, what is it about me that I love working with these really highly intelligent folks, and I'm always in these situations where there's some kind of cringe moment. And I would say, oh, no, here we go again to myself. And then I thought, what is it that's missing? And that's when you and I particularly begin to talk about something is missing. And that's when we really got going with we can help. And I just am, you probably can't tell, but I'm very excited and passionate about <laughs> all of this stuff. Yeah, a lot, of it, a lot of your work has been to go in and assess systemically what's going on in yes. large organizations that foster, right. you know, a lot of uh, cringe moment outbreaks, so to speak. What would you say yes. are the top three things happening systemically that that become a, you know, fertile ground for, for lots of cringe moments or out-of-control cringe moments? Well, we just mentioned, one, the inconsistency of how policies are applied the uh, Some others that come to mind are lack of accountability, not holding people accountable for um, skill development, competency development, both on their technical skills as well as the um, uh, emotional side of things, poor or no feedback to uh, to people or skewed feedback like we give we give you fairly candid feedback on the things that are easy but not so much on the things that might need to be fine-tuned. And then this is a big one for me that I see across academia. I see it in every industry. Human resource systems that don't distinguish between those two things. We just mentioned the technical skills and the behavioral skills. The focus is on results. And the focus is on uh, meeting the quarterly numbers for Wall Street, that that sort of thing. And I'm not saying that's not important. It truly is important. But failing to miss the other side is a disservice to people because 
they do the best they can, but it leads so often to these moments that just become so difficult, particularly we see it in the workplace. We were talking about three what I what you feel are the three top things in organizations that allow you know or, or systemic things or systemic failures mm-hmm. so to speak within organizations that allow fertile ground for these cringe moments to take place in abundance. Can you just reiterate those? I certainly can. The first one that I've seen across all industries and of course academia is inconsistency, primarily in how people are held accountable, and inconsistency in how policies are applied. And uh, we talked a bit about how that can uh, people begin to be carved out. For instance, if I'm a high producer or a key contributor, I may be carved out of being held accountable. The other, uh, another key factor is very poor or no feedback to contributors in an organization, the propensity to avoid candid feedback, which then leads to um, slippage in standards of conduct. I would say those are the dominant ones. Yeah, and and we see this quite a bit, right? Um, you know, and it's, we it, do. It creates yeah. yeah a lot of difficulty within organizations. Um, I. You know, it it seems for something that is so critical, right, and can cause so many systemic problems. Um, and it, why do you suppose we don't see a lot of resources about how to navigate and handle these these cringe moments? Well, I think um, for one thing, it's uncomfortable. And uh, we talked in our first segment about we want, as humans, we want certainty and we want comfort. And this Mm -hmm. is not about either of those. So we tend to slide over in, well, maybe we should have some kind of teamwork workshop or let's send so-and-so to a communication workshop. And we don't get to the heart, the heart of what is... um, underneath the creation of the, or the essence of, of these dilemmas. I think sometimes cringe moments are mislabeled as conflict or um, perhaps a, a personality disagreement of some kind when really at the heart of it is simply some type of situation that is creating discomfort with emotions and uh, some risk. There's usually a big element of risk when we think of those cringe cringe moments. You know, Amy, I was just thinking you were asking me about the top three systemic things. There's one other one that I've seen that's fairly pervasive, and that is the conflict-avoidant leader. When you have a conflict-avoidant leader, they really avoid these kinds of um, subjects. They avoid dealing with it themselves. What then happens is you have that lack of accountability, inconsistency, poor decisions, poor um, poor feedback, and people begin to feel down in the organization, begin to feel invisible or apathetic, and they certainly are not comfortable stepping into something difficult themselves. Yeah, that's that's an interesting observation. Of course, we see that so often, and what, what winds up happening are some of these situations wind up 
festering and you know may start out as a a small incident or you know just some sort of friction between people mm-hmm. but when when you have the conflict avoidant leader who really doesn't take charge and have these cringe moment conversations to nip it in the bud they fester into yeah. something that that gets wildly out of control sometimes it seems what's been well, your I experience can give you with negative. that well i have uh probably way too many for our <laughs> blog uh, uh talk today but i can give you one that kind of uh summarizes what i see mm-hmm. um i was in an organization where the COO was extremely conflict avoidant, did not give his direct report, a senior leader uh, feedback, the things unraveled and fell apart, and he was now tasked with letting her know things were not working out and they were at a place to separate from the company. He did not handle it in a candid way. First of all, he, she, he had not given her any feedback about the uh, performance slippages, the conduct slippages. In the meeting with her, we'll use me as an example, he said to her, Rachel said, you're not performing well. Rachel said, you're too stressed out. Rachel said, it's time for you to go. Well, you can imagine how this poor soul felt betrayed. She was disillusioned. She felt that her uh, the person she had trusted, the Rachel person, had uh, gone behind her back. It created a, such a disastrous situation. So the uh, the person who was blamed then had a massive cleanup with the departing employee to correct the um, perception. And then she entered into a cringe moment conversation with that COO about um, – we need to have a conversation about what happened. And Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, she had the skills to enter into that type of conversation. This happens so frequently, Amy. It's it's alarming. But we, you and I, talk about this, and we can see the impact. For innocent people who are in an organization, they may not have had the experience that we have seen so they may think it's me. If I were a better person, if I had better skills, then I would be able to handle this. And the truth is, um, maybe they do need skill development, but they don't cause these situations. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that we see so much yes. of it. Yet, when you're talking about this, Rachel, what 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 seems to be at the core of all of this is of course what we you know what we call our 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 blog here which is lead with courage and it it yes. sounds to me that this is really about a, an individual being able to tap into their own courage what do you yes what do you have to say about that i totally a thousand percent know it is about stepping into courage and a piece of courage is being willing to be vulnerable to take a look at at myself in in any situation what um what are the clues that I may be at a place where I am needing to do something there is a cringe moment usually we have some kind of physical uh sensation like shortness of breath perhaps we're sweating perhaps uh, we feel a, a pounding heart what uh, what's going on with me emotionally, and then pausing 
the gift of pausing so that you can think it through and uh, give yourself a little bit of, of time to move move past that hurt and wounding and the desire to punish. And that's where the tools of how you can do the analysis of the cringe moment, learn the skills of scripting of how you want to go forward, and then learn how can I build up some reserves so that I have I feel better prepared. I feel more confident when these um, these situations cause, uh, come up. And um, you and I say, uh, face it, we know we all are going to have cringe moments. There's just no way to avoid it. If there's more than two people, you're probably going to have this. But it's, um, it is comforting in, for me to know that over the years I have learned some skills. And it's comforting also to me to know that we are now, we at Integraship, are able to make this tangible for people. Part of the challenge when people have these cringe moments is that confusion, that swirling around of emotion and fear and and the risk involved. And if you can get your feet on the ground, pause, do the analysis, grab hold of the tools, the, the good news is you can learn the skills. That's for sure. Yeah, it's interesting what you just said. We, you know, one of the things that we have come to realize through um, our own research and in writing the book that's coming out about this next uh, early 2016 is that people, when they get into these cringe moments, that you know, the sweaty palms and all of that that goes on. What happens when when our anxiousness goes up or our fear level goes up about these situations is that we are biologically wired, right? To to have mm-hmm. our brains are wired to shut down the best part of our brain <laughs> because right. we feel threatened, right? So we we start exactly. to um, we start to lose the capacity of our executive brain, tap into that reptilian brain, right? That's all concerned with with survival, and so we right. we lose our ability to reason. And think rationally uh, in these situations. What you know, I we've all been there, right, Rachel? I'm sure you. Oh, you, uh, you yourself still go through it, before right? The day, before the day is over, we'll probably experience something like yeah, this. Sure, exactly. Right, exactly. But it's so. What What do you recommend for people when they find themselves in that situation where they 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 have that confusion? They can't think reasonably or rationally without a lot of emotion um, or, or mm-hmm. you know, a lot of anxiety? What do, what do you recommend? Well, the first thing I recommend is uh, the pause. Uh, if we think about the animal kingdom based on what you've just said, and uh, Amy, about how our brains work, animals, when they feel spooked or something frightens them, they either run, they freeze, or they come charging at the whatever the threat is. Mm-hmm. Human beings have those same uh, capacities to react, but we have another one, and that is pausing to think through, can I work this through? And in that space, that's where we ha- need the pause. Our propensity is to just react 
in the anger, freezing, or, or aggression. Uh, I mean, the, the passive or the, um, the avoidance, the anger, which is aggression, or freezing. And the gift to us as humans is that we can pause. Is it comfortable? No, it is not. But the learning comes when we can pause and just be in that discomfort while we analyze what's going on, what do I need to learn from this, what, if anything, do I need to do about this, and give ourselves some space. And uh, that is a learned skill. Uh, Believe me, we're not born knowing that when we really do have to learn how that is. There's another thing I think that helps us. And that is recognizing what are my hot buttons. If I know what is going to trigger my uh, hot button or my reaction, that's where I need to do some self-mastery, some self-development work. Mm -hmm. Also, thinking about what are my needs. Do I just have this unreasonable desire to be liked? Do I have an um, excessive need to be acknowledged or valued? Or perhaps it's something like I panic when there's any kind of conflict. Those are situations where we really can learn some better ways of coping and um, gaining competence in those those areas. So I think we uh, we are we have a lot of tools, but we may not know we have the tools. Yeah, and I think you and I have seen enough over the years, right, in doing this work, to know that. Everybody, even the the person you would suspect the least, has courage if they know how to find their way to it, right? And if they're able Mm -hmm. to develop certain muscles, right, some of which you just just mentioned, um, that they can tap into their courage that maybe they didn't even know they had. But we've seen enough of it, right, to know that people really do, when they get to a watershed point, with these cringe moments, that they really do have the ability to reach down deep and find the courage to do it. Yes. And, you know, uh, just this past week, Amy, our, our Integrship group was talking about everyone has courage. They may have pushed it way, way down, but everyone has courage. And what supports courage is being willing to really know what are my values, what do I cherish most? Perhaps it's honesty. Maybe it's fairness. Whatever my core values are, that will help my courage muscle start to flex its muscle, so to speak. And then there's that element of vulnerability. Am I willing to look at what's my my responsibility or my role in this current situation? Combine those two and you really do start to move into cringe moment conversations, feeling far more grounded and um, stable, I guess would be the word, rather than that awful confusion and anxiety and, and dread that something terrible is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Something really great might happen, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've seen our fair share of that, right? Yes, well, and isn't it well, wonderful when you can see people gain the skills, and they step into something difficult, these cringe moments, and then they come out the other side, and their muscle is a little bit bigger in handling these things. And then they have another one, and the muscle gets even bigger. Soon you have an atlas 
type person <laughs> with all these Grinch muscles building. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Rachel. Thanks for for walking us through this. And of course, you know, you and I could talk all day about this, uh, as it's it's a passion point for for all of us at Integrship, really. Yeah. Um, but we hope that um, we'll have plenty more coming for people about this. Um, we don't hope, we know, right, in early 2016. We do. With a book about this. And uh, so stay tuned because um, we've got a lot more for you to learn around this topic. And uh, the way I see it, Rachel, we've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> we have a lot of work to do. But what what is uh, what just really um, I just get so fired up about is it's possible. Uh, I didn't know this stuff either, Amy, when I was a much younger person. It is possible to learn the skills to be better. About uh, perfection, no. it's not. I'm not going to be perfect, but I will be so much better at this when I learn a few tools. Well, thanks for joining us today, and uh, thank you uh, My to pleasure. those of us listening to us. Uh, we appreciate your time and uh, your awareness around this. We'd love to hear from you uh, about any thoughts you might have about cringe moments. So, so be in touch and and uh, go over to our website and or our, our Twitter feed and uh, let us know what you think. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>